Greetings both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at simmons at tracknerds.com. Enjoy the show. So to start off this week with talking about the Vikings in France, or at least the first part, obviously this is we're getting to season three of Vikings where they first raid Paris, but that does continue into season four here. But uh, doing a little research on the collective King Charles's or Emperor Charles's here, which uh, in the show it's just, uh, they just call him Charles, Emperor Charles, King Charles, whatever, and they kind of make him an amalgamation of uh, multiple guys. At first I was thinking it's just the two, but it, you could definitely argue it's, it's the three. He's uh, Charles the Bald, Charles the Fat, and Charles the Simple. And what's funny is, <laughs> it appears to be that Charles the Bald was not bald, Charles the Fat was not fat, and Charles the Simple was not simple. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did, you, did you happen to notice any of that? Uh, I didn't notice that about Charles the Bald and Charles the Fat. I just assumed that those were just kind of like names that, that they gave them, kind of like... Uh you know henry rufus with the red face or whatever oh, but right right but for charles the simple i did see something where it said that simple is made like doesn't necessarily have the same meaning right it doesn't mean dumb right simple would mean like oh you're a simpleton like you're dumb you're not very smart but in in the way that it's used for him or how it was used was like simple as in like straightforward direct like yes. to the point right rather than like being a dumb idiot <laughs> <laughs> yes and then Charles the Fat, it, it's more of an unknown one. The, basically, any references to calling him Charles the Fat were not contemporary. It's more just like oh, a gotcha. almost like a placeholder nickname that got used after his life and stuck without actually any evidence that he was a large man. And then Charles the Bald, we're not 100% sure, but they actually think it's uh, pretty even money that it was used ironically. That he was actually a really hairy oh, guy. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> like he's just just a very hirsute gentleman that they thought it was funny to call Charles the Bald. <laughs> and there was even any even depictions of him when he, you know, as an adult or in the middle age, he was uh I mean he had hair and depictions of contemporary depictions of him had him with hair. So gotcha. So yeah, I just thought it was funny that uh the three Charleses that kind of were combined to be the Charles in the show here and all have a distinct nickname, none of them actually fit <laughs> that nickname. <laughs> I also thought maybe Charles the Fat was like a maybe like a Henry the Eighth or a Robert Baratheon type thing where he's like oh a, gotcha kind of a, a, a muscle bound kind of thick dude who then in his old age like just gets fat but I don't know yeah yeah again that because there was no contemporary references to him being fat I mean maybe but we don't really know um, I also like when you can combine it too it's like yeah it's the Henry the Eighth style slash Robert Baratheon style slash Orson Welles style. Yeah. yeah. Marlon Brando. (laughs) (laughs) So I I would say, I would say the closest proxy they're trying to use when they get to Paris here is probably Charles the bald, but he definitely predates Rolo. So yeah, I think they handled this one really well. So it's actually kind of less messy in a way than the English stuff we talked about last time, but also still very much deliberately changed to streamline things for the show. Mm -hmm. So they do have the Vikings kind of raiding Paris maybe multiple times over like you know, a few months, a few years span here. Yeah. But in reality, of course, it was a much longer time period. And 
there were Viking raids off and on before this, after this, yeah. and just kind of not necessarily in Paris. Sometimes just they were just the Vikings were everywhere. Well, and yeah, and in the show they it they make it sound like oh the Vikings had never heard of Paris and they like just now discovered this <laughs> land called Frankie and they like just are figuring out that there's a town called Paris. Like, Vikings had been raiding Paris, or, like, had been raiding Francia, not necessarily Paris specifically, but raiding Francia, especially around, like, uh, Rouen and, like, where the mouth of the Seine River is. Right. Like, where where Normandy is today. Like, they'd been raiding there for a long time. Right, correct. Prior to this. Like, they knew about Paris. Like, they knew about Francia. They'd been there. Right. And despite what we're saying at the end of the last episode about how travel was rare, I mean, to a point, and it, obviously trading was ubiquitous. Did I say that right? Ubiquitous? Yeah. <laughs> so odds are goods were coming to and from Paris into Scandinavia to some extent. I mean, so I mean, people would obviously travel around to share their, sell their wares. So, right. But yes, but the the big ones that the show there was an 1845 raid on Paris when Charles the Bald was in charge. What did I say? You said 1845. <laughs> well, hey, you don't know. <laughs> and and Napoleon was fighting Ragnar Lothbrok. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Napoleon was dead. Oh yeah, you're <laughs> don't right. be inaccurate. <laughs> uh, yes, there was there was an 845 raid on Paris when Charles the Bald was king of West Francia. Again, this is all kinds of we've mentioned I think multiple times. Whenever like the Holy Roman Empire comes up, we're just like we're just not going to go into it. Yeah, <laughs> that applies again today. <laughs> At some point, you know what? At some point, maybe that'll, that'll be like a lifetime podcast goal. At some point, we will explain the Holy Roman Empire. It's gonna be, but it is not this day. <laughs> that's gonna have to be like a dozen episodes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous. So. Charles the Bald was a grandson of Charlemagne, and right. Charlemagne is the first Holy Roman Emperor. But what is the Holy Roman Empire is this ever-changing, soft thing that does kind of start with Charlemagne. Again, this is my rough memory, but I'm pretty sure this is close. It started roughly France, and then over the centuries, shifted to roughly Germany. <laughs> so well, it was. it started out as basically like, all of Western Europe, basically. Well, right. Because true. as soon as Charlemagne died, then it like it's it kind of broke up, and then yeah, then you are correct. It does basically become it's just like synonymous with Germany later on. Right, right. But that's why Charles the Bald here, who's in Western, what's they call it, West Francia, is where he is the king right. of. But he's also then later in his life gets the Holy Roman Empire or Emperor title, but. Yes. He was king of West Francia for much longer than that. Again, you can look at each of these three Charles and kind of say why they're the one in the show. I do think Charles the Bald is their starting point, and then they just kind of add on attributes of the fat and the simple to yeah. Charles the Bald is probably yes. the way to say it. Yep. So, yes, he was the king of West Francia when the, when the Vikings invaded in 845, and he did have a daughter, Judith, which, again, that's the, the same Judith that is... The historical one that married Aethelwulf, but then right. not the one really in the show and all that. Yeah. And then his son was, uh, this isn't really super relevant other than he's uh, going to be connected later. So he did have a son, Louis the Stammerer, who kind of succeeded him and then was, who was the father of Charles the Simple. So he's the grandfather of Charles the Simple. But as you'll get to here in a little bit, there's a lot of other stuff happening mm-hmm. <laughs> in between. 
So, but in this in this Viking siege siege of eight forty five, not the not the unpredicted one that it happened in eighteen forty five. <laughs> so the person in charge was one. Let's see if I can get this right. So there's there's a basically a Viking a, a Viking chieftain who historically is kind of written as like Regnerus or something like that. So. There are some people who think that it was the legendary Ragnar Lothbrook who, if he was real, led this Viking raid of 845 on Paris. So it was an easy thing for the show to then, oh, well, then for sure it's our Ragnar who's leading this raid on Paris. And again, the show never mentions years very much on purpose because 845 would not time out with Rolo at all, who wouldn't have been born yet. But right. the actual raid went better than we see in the show. They successfully sack and just pillage the heck out of Paris in A45. Yes. And it's almost like an overwhelming uh, Viking success. Well, yeah. As I say, but they the one that they show in the show is almost... Certainly the second one in 885. In the 880s, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Which, yes, so yeah, we go go ahead and jump to that one. That doesn't go near as well for the vikings they are repelled by odo and that's actually when charles the fat is king of west francia and the simple version i'm going to kick it over to you here to talk about odo here in just a second but uh he was like a kind of a cousin so he was related to these other charleses but he was kind of more over in uh the other part of the holy roman empire or aka the carolingian empire yeah yeah italy germany yeah and basically Charles the Simple was too young, and so they didn't want. They it basically was everything's too volatile. They didn't want to put a kid on the throne, and so they kind of invited Charles the Fat over to rule instead. And then that's when the Vikings have this uh, other siege in uh, 885 and 886, which did have Rollo wasn't necessarily in charge, but it just sound like Rollo was there. He was there for sure. Yep. Yes. Anyway, so yeah, one of the people in the show, another character in the show is this guy Odo who's kind of in charge of the defenses. So and you re- did a little deep dive on who, who the historical Odo is. So why don't yeah. you go into that? So he is the one of the main ways that we know that the raid on Paris that they're referring to is the one in 885 is because Count Odo didn't become the Count of Paris until 882. So he was not even I don't think alive during the first Viking raid on Paris in 845. He was married. It doesn't show that there's any kind of reliable evidence as to who his children were. There's like, there's some sources that do attribute certain kids to him, but it's like, it's never backed up or corroborated. But uh, yeah, so he was instrumental in defeating the Vikings, or I guess keeping them from being as successful as they were the first time. Their siege of Paris started in November of 885. And at the time, Paris was not the giant sprawling metropolis that it is today. It was basically the entire city was something that today is called, and I don't speak French, but Isle de la Cité, City Island. Oh, okay. It's okay. like, uh, it's, it's where Notre Dame is today. It's like a small island right in the middle of the Seine River, right in the middle of Paris. That was basically the whole town? That was the entire city. That's a small island. <laughs> it was like that with like walls built around it and like a bridge coming from either direction. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that is a small island today. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's what they were, that's what the Vikings were attacking. 
The size of the Viking army is not really known, but it's estimated to be in the high four figures or low five figures. So at least several thousand Vikings, if not like tens of thousands. Over 10,000, right, but, right. But the, the sources that say like over 10,000 are usually thought to be exaggerating a little bit. But regardless, Odo only has a few hundred guys because, again, city's not that big. Right. Oh, this is like the Alamo, isn't it? Kind of. Yeah, kind of. So it's, it's Odo and his few hundred guys versus the Vikings and their thousands of guys. So the Vikings lay siege to Paris. Um, they're there for like several months. And uh, like in the show, they have these towers and they attack the bridges and stuff, but they are not not ever able to make it actually into the city. Um, one thing that I did see that was interesting that they did not show in the show was that both sides were using things like ballistas and catapults. Mm. So the Vikings had those too at this point, but like in the show, the Vikings don't have them, but then they end up like reverse engineering them to use in their later conquests in Wessex. But in in real life, this was uh, something that they, they both had with these ballistas and catapults and different like technological advancements. Oh, gotcha. In the show, they make it kind of like, here's a crazy Floki invention that the Parisians have never seen or heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're sieging the city for several months, and at some point, um, Odo is able to send some men out past the Viking lines to contact Charles the Fat for help, because he was not in West Frank at the time. I think he was in what is now Italy. Okay. But... It's kind of hard to tell because, again, at this time, it was like it was all kind of the Carolingian Empire. Right. Uh, you know, you have West Francia and you have Saxony. And, you know, Charles the Fat ends up sending Henry, Count of Saxony, which is in Germany and he or modern day Germany, I guess. And they arrive. Henry arrives in 886, February of 886 with Odo. But because they had been marching from basically like northern Germany in Saxony all the way to Paris in the winter. Uh, they're not in great shape. They make one attack and they get repelled and they retreat. But Odo is able to make it back inside the city. Um, at this point, disease starts to spread as the siege continues. And Odo again, this time in person himself, sneaks out past the Viking lines and asks Charles the fat for help again and he returns with an army fights his way back into the city and sets up a defense against the vikings and forces the vikings to retreat again so even later <laughs> in 886 in october charles the fat and his imperial army show up and uh they end up kind of fighting the vikings enough to where it's like okay now we're going to negotiate and he promises the Vikings 700 pounds of silver if they stop attacking Paris. But he also tells them, hey, but if you want, you guys are more than welcome to go raid Burgundy because all those Burgundians <laughs> over there upriver have been in revolt for a little while. And I think that would really teach him a lesson if you go do some Viking raids. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the Vikings uh, agree and they stop attacking Paris and they go and they raid Burgundy. And this is getting a little bit into season four stuff, but I feel like I have to mention it here because it's uh, important to the story of Odo specifically. Okay. In the show, Odo is just kind of 
executed kind of off screen if i remember correctly that's what i couldn't remember okay he just kind of gets killed off screen because the king thinks that he's trying to betray him and take over right yeah whereas in real life that was not even close to what happened well then no right it's yeah it's actually it's worth it's go ahead and yeah go ahead because it uh it doesn't actually happen in the show so you're not really spoiling anything for next time yeah yeah Uh, well i am spoiling a little bit but not okay not really anything huge but anyway so real life is huger (laughs) (laughs) right on their way back from burgundy they're going back down the river they're gonna go you know down the seine and out the mouth and out up north back to scandinavia well in real life the parisians and odo specifically didn't like that charles just let the vikings go oh right and paid them a ransom so they block the river and they don't let them pass where Paris is on the river. And so the Vikings in real life were forced to land their boats and drag them around Paris uh-huh. and put them back in the river downstream so they could leave. So in the show, in season four, we see them do this for a different reason. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Where they had to drag the boats over land and it's this like oh, this is a genius idea that Ragnar has of how we're going to like launch this surprise attack by dragging the boats. In real life, no. It's because the Parisians blocked the river and they said, <laughs> you're not going to be able to go home. We're blocking the river. And they said, oh, fine. I will have to take our boats out and drag them by land all the oh, way around crazy. where Paris is. Um, so I just thought that that was kind of funny that they were they were actually forced to do that in real life. Well, I, I thought you were going to go a different direction. So if they kill off Odo here, you know, kind of half off screen or whatever, because he they think he's going to betray them. Didn't Odo become, oh, he, he becomes king yeah, later. Yeah, that's right. So that's before Charles the Simple. Yeah, I was getting that after the, the boat dragging stuff. So uh, Odo does actually become king of West Francia in 888 because he, uh, because Charles the Fat is overthrown in late 887. And one of the, th- big things that like led to that overthrow was the way that he handled the Vikings, yeah. like paying the ransom for the Viking attack on Paris. Um, and after he became King, he ruled for like 10 years all the way until his yeah, death in 898. Yeah. He was, yeah, one of actually the longer ruling Kings of West Francia. And in the show, he just gets like killed off. <laughs> right, right. Cause they just, ah, we don't want to mess with all that. And we're making Charles the bald and Charles the simple, basically the same person. And Charles the simple is after Odo is king. So we'll just kill Odo off so we don't have to mess with it. Right, yeah. So in the show, is is Odo the one who's the sadomasochist or yes. is that somebody else? No, that's Count Odo. Yeah. Okay, that, okay. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. Interesting way to deal with him. Who's, again, someone who's way more significant in real life than the show would lead you to believe, I thought. Yeah. I feel like in the show, they're very loath to give him credit for a lot of these things that in real life, it's like, no, yeah, you used the name in Odo, and then you kind of did him a disservice. It's kind of like what you said in uh, yeah. <laughs> Titanic, where they had the one guy with the real name, and they basically make him the jerk. Oh, like, right. Killing people to get on the lifeboat. It's like, no, in reality, he was a hero. He, and, like, saved a bunch of people. <laughs> right. So the show takes, you know, the savior of, you know, the siege, Viking siege of Paris in the 880s, who becomes king by basically popular decree after that. And says, oh, no, uh, he's just a sadomasochist that we're going to kill off. Right. And yeah, that was another interesting thing. He didn't like kill the king and then say, I killed the king. Now I'm the king. I'm the ruler. Like, no, the king was overthrown. And then the people of West Francia like elected him to be their king. Right. You should be in charge. Right. (laughs) Right. They chose him, which I think is really cool. And then they kind of meanwhile, then Charles the Simple, as he's kind of growing older, is kind of in the background here. What what year did Odo die in Uh, real life? 898. 
He ruled for 10 years, yeah. So Charles the Simple by that time was 19 and was able to finally become king himself. So again, the, the third Charles, uh, and the reason this one is still, it sounds like, well, hey, how is this Charles the Simple even remotely the king we see in the show? Well, it's because this is the Charles the Simple who has the daughter, well, I say that, may have had the daughter, Gisela or Gisela or whatever, who yeah. he offers to Rolo in exchange for Normandy. Now, again, that gets get, that gets a little into season four or a lot into season four. But the offer that King Charles, Emperor Charles, whatever, makes at the end of season three of Vikings basically says, hey, Rolo, what if I just gave you a whole bunch of stuff? I'll give you titles and, and, and land and my daughter in marriage if you basically... Instead of fighting me, you defend me and France, Francia, from future Viking raids. They're coming up the river. I'm going to give you Normandy upriver. Right. And then you just basically set up a fort to defend from the Vikings. And he's like, hmm, interesting offer. And that's kind of how season three ends. But that's Charles the Simple is the one who made the offer to Rolo. Right. And the daughter may or may not have existed. Like the wife of Rolo that's uh, shown here in the show, again, Gisela, how do you say that? In in real life, his daughter was, yeah, Gisela, but in the show, it's Gisela. Gisela, okay, okay. It's like a similar Close, yes. Well, but like the the wife of Rolo, Gisela, the historical Rolo, she's may, may not even exist. Like she's historical. Yeah, so it's kind of a similar thing there too. But anyway, but yes, Charles is simple was her father so that's and it was the one who kind of made the overtures to rollo after another 9-11 raid which oh i didn't even think about that <laughs> the year 9-11 yeah. <laughs> rollo was not behind 9-11 <laughs> but, but there was another viking raid in the year 9-11 that led to charles the simple making those overtures to kind of put a stop to this once and for all and yeah. also, of course there was stuff in, but yeah so that's you know 20 years later Rolo's still kind of it kind of gives you an idea of how these raids were kind of constant Rolo's constantly being this thorn over decades in Francia before finally becoming the first duke of Normandy with basically Normandy is established as a peace offering to Rolo but we'll get more into that next time when we get into season four yeah one other historical omission that I feel like would have been really cool in the show and I'm not sure why it wasn't included is the Bishop of Paris, Jocelyn. He's like the first church holy warrior in medieval literature. Oh, interesting. And he was like with Odo fighting the Vikings. And it was like this, this, he had this kind of internal struggle where he was like, well, you know, I've taken the vow to not, you know, spill another man's blood. But at the same time, like I have to defend Paris. So then he like gets up on the walls with like a bow and arrow and starts like shooting Vikings and everyone's like super inspired by it it's almost it's very similar to bishop hakeman of sherborne okay. in the later seasons like this kind of holy warrior guy yeah but yeah he's he's left this bishop jocelyn is like left out of the show completely and maybe it's just because they it was going to be too similar to a bishop hakeman type thing but i don't know i think that would have been a kind of a cool and he's like even today is you know up there with Count Odo as, like, savior of Paris during the Viking invasions. Oh, interesting. The moment that reminds me of, and I do have that on the on the notes here, is when uh, Gisela kind of helps inspire the French with, uh, she brings out that flag, that banner or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's basically almost like this, like, sacred thing, and she brings it out to inspire them. It's, they call it the Oriflame. 
it's it is based in reality as well there's like there's like they you can like look on wikipedia and it has like the list of here are the battles over which this banner was flown Mm -hmm. and i i don't think actually i think the banner actually probably is after this so the viking raid of in the 1880s would not have been one of those battles but it does tie back into and i didn't do a deep dive on on saint denis or saint denis but it's kind of an homage to him it's kind of like his banner i guess They're like you know dedicated to him and also the vikings were uh definitely at risk of destroying the cathedral or abbey of, of saint denis so it, there's, there's kind of some connections there with uh, uh real life and kind of using this aura flame in the banner in the show so then the show itself we're kind of going back and forth between history and the show which i guess is what we what we do here right so we get Ragnar, again, who was legendary and would not have been around in 880, even if he was the person from the 840s. He has to be baptized. He's injured in, in, this, in, in the siege, and they think he's dying. And so he basically has to be baptized and buried in the city. And Charles is like, kind of, kind of buys it. He's like, yeah, okay, you know what? We'll, uh, we'll let you have this one. And I, it, the show actually does a good job too of making you well. I guess I guess this is the end of Ragnar. I guess I guess Ragnar's dead. Oh yeah, they have him in a coffin, and everyone's all right. crying, and they're coming up and saying stuff to him. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like oh okay, this is the this is the death of Ragnar, I guess. And then so he's, he's they agreed having buried in, in the city, but nope. It's actually one of the kind of the coolest moments in the show. I think is when Ragnar then in the chapel busts up out of the coffin and kidnaps Gisla there, right? Yeah. I thought it was kind of funny that well not funny, just interesting <laughs> that he busts out of his coffin and the king is there, Gisla's there, but the only person that he kills is the bishop that baptized him. Oh yeah. He like busts out of the coffin, kills that guy, and then doesn't harm anyone else, just takes Gisla captive and then they leave. <laughs> It's like that was strange, but then it's kind of weird too. Because then again, it's been a, been a while, a long while since I've seen season three here. But then he doesn't. He kind of like he just lets her go, or, or he like he's making a deal with her. Like he gets on the other side of the corridor. What's his end game with this with this uh, ploy? I think it was just to leave, or to, no, he wanted to he wanted to open the the gates from the inside. Oh, okay. So he okay. he uh, yeah he takes her captive, and then they. He like they go to the where the opening is for the bridge. Oh, it's basically a Trojan horse trick, is all it is. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so then okay. they, you know, they get all the guards on the bridge to drop their weapons, and then he's able to open up both sides, and then all the Viking co- Vikings come through. Yeah, okay. But then it's kind of anticlimactic though, because they're like ultimately unsuccessful right. in taking the city. <laughs> so right, but it, I mean, it's a cool moment. No, <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. But yeah, overall, I think it did do a good job of. We talk about it a million times. The show just gives you the right. It's it's the right vibe. The show is is it vibes well with uh, uh, how things play out historically here, even if it definitely uh, changes the details. Okay, yeah, I think we'll keep that pretty short here this time around, and join us next time as we get into season four of Vikings. <laughs>